Robinson, who's in the slot. Look in that direction on a slam. Huge hit. Ball picked off. The Volunteers of the Carroll make an interception. Jawan Mitchell. They call him Juju. The discrepancy. Schuster, they were going to take a shot, but he's hit by Nelson. And Nebraska has picked up the football. Their first takeaway of the game. Wells way down the field. It is into coverage. It is intercepted. It is over. Lamarian James has sealed the victory for Old Dominion. And fittingly, it comes on a takeaway. Grand, I'm Hollywood Totten, joined by my co-host Justice. What's going on, man? Oh, not much. How you doing, man? It's uh, yeah. two days Just after the this, Yeah, enjoying the week off from work, so I'm about halfway through. So I got uh, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday still to go, so kind of made me lazy. I don't want to go back. You're recovering <laughs> from all the fireworks. Fireworks, the grilling. The outside activities, yeah. Recovery. Yeah, fireworks were a lot more prevalent in my neighborhood this year. Usually, like maybe one or two. This year, it was more like seven or eight. And well, wow, they didn't really care like how late they did it. It was, I don't know, yeah. it got a little annoying yeah. at some points, but pretty, pretty calm here for the most part. Um, we kind of live near. Uh, more so just a few miles away where they do the, the great big city show. They do it at the bridge on the lake. So, I mean, we're a few miles away, but we can still hear them. So they did that on the actual fourth, but our neighbors, I guess some of them did it on the second because I guess some people had to work on Monday. So they did all those on the second. And then I don't, we had a few on the third, but other than that, I think it was fairly quiet year this time around. So. Our draw mostly the fourth. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, like I said, the city over there, they I guess they did theirs on uh, on the third for whatever reason, because I guess most people got the fourth off or whatever. But. I was actually near you, I guess, over the weekend. and I was in Kentucky. Ah. What part? Um, Jackson and Rogers. That's a little ways off. I can't place with like that right off. So we heard of it. We weren't. We went to like where the natural bridge is in Kentucky. Oh, okay. I know there's a natural bridge in in Virginia, and there's natural bridges in other places as well. Um, right. But yeah, it, it was kind of cool. Oh, good, 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 good. Fingers intact and all that good stuff. I see. Yeah. <laughs> Not pulling the JPP and blowing half your hand off. Nope. So you can make your uh, what is I forget the you always see the that's Thanksgiving special. the Thanksgiving thing like that or whatever with his hand. <laughs> yeah, but didn't he, he had a special glove made with no yeah. fingers? Right? Well, because he yeah. blew off part of his fingers, so 
Yeah. Oh, good times, good times. So, we are back this week with another conference preview. We are going to do the Big Ten East. Um, before we get into that, there was a little news and notes I dug up. Um, hopefully, I can dig up some more for our next episode. We're going to do two today, so be, be sure to stay tuned for when we get done with the East. We're going to do the Big Ten West. But um, News and notes. So, San Diego State has said they're staying in the Mountain West. Um but the conference itself is saying, well, you already left and decided you wanted to come back. And now they're asking that San Diego State pay a leave early penalty or a leave penalty, whatever that, whatever that is, of $33.5 million. And to piggyback off this, I guess from some of the things I've been reading – and hopefully I took them the right way, SMU was willing to go to the Pac-12 with San Diego State. I guess it was kind of a unwritten thing, but it looked like they were kind of basing theirs off of what San Diego State was doing. So now they are rethinking their move as to what to do. So this is kind of a mess, I guess, in the, with the Mountain West. My initial reaction would be if the Mountain West tries to push San Diego State to pay this, I just go ahead and leave. I just go ahead and join the Pac-12 and get it up because well, you're not going to pay it anyway. Well, that's but they the they can't they can't join the Pac-12 if the Pac-12 doesn't want to take them. <laughs> well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> and I think that's kind of what happened. I think I think. But if you're the Pac-12, why would you not want San Diego State and SMU, which is two solid programs that you could add? Uh, I just don't think they're ready to go that route yet, I think. Because I don't see anybody else beating the door down of the Pac-12 to say, hey, let us in. I think the fact that San Diego State, you know, told the Mountain West that they were leaving, that clearly they had some thought or indication that Pac-12 was going to invite them. Um, but evidently that all fell through. And, like, if I'm the Mountain West – I'm going to make them feel it a little bit. That's just my personal opinion, right? Because you already know, like, the writing's on the wall. Mm -hmm. that, that, that that as soon as Pac-12 comes calling, they're going to leave. So so what – in other words, you, you should be – like, you're, you're, you're in the position of power, the Mountain West is, because – Oh, yeah. I mean, San Diego State's like – they already showed their hand, and as a, as a, and they had no hand to show, you know, basically. <laughs> yeah, they kind of jumped the gun a bit, a bit, I guess. Absolutely, and I, and I think the reason why they did it is from a timing perspective. I guess, I guess they had to do it right because most of these conferences have a have some kind of notification clause, right? Right. But 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 here's the thing, like. In my opinion, still, it's not worth it's not worth the risk that San Diego State took, because um, so when ODU, Marshall, and Southern Miss all jumped, right, they did it late enough where they didn't um, there wasn't enough notice, and so it kicked in this extra clause about money. 
Well, what ended up happening was them and the and Conference USA went to court and agreed on some settlement. Well, the settlement's going to be less than, you know what I mean, less than what the agreement said. But the yeah. but but those three t three teams waited until they knew, hey, we're going to the Sun Belt and announcing it, announcing it, which in my opinion, that's what San Diego State should have did, right? They should have they should have waited until it was like a done deal, and then even if they had to pay a higher penalty fee, whatever, it's going to end up in court. But let, let's say you had to pay the higher fee, big deal. You're going to the Pac-12. You're going to make more money. You know what I mean? Like it. They, they really, I don't know. I think they really kind of screwed the pooch on the deal. Because, you know. So I guess there was a, uh, I'm trying to read as you're, you're talking here. It looks like the Mountain West had <clears throat> received something from San Diego State, the intention to resign from the league. And along with a request to extend the time needed to make the decision official in order to avoid paying the exit fee of $34 million after June 1st, or after June 30th. So I guess basically this 4th of July weekend, when June 30th hit to roll over to July, that's when all this kicked in. So, Right, because usually like I think that most of the contracts, when I remember from the ODU stuff and the Marshall and Southern Miss, it was like, it was like 12 months or something like that. And so usually you got you have to announce those things before July first, where but I, I'm pretty sure like in well I mean like in ODU's case I mean they announced it like in November or December. Yeah, you know, and like it, it was basically they waited till it was a done deal. And which, and they're already withholding six point six million from San Diego State for. Uh, oh the conference distribution, right? Right. So, I mean, this could get expensive and ugly, I guess, if the Mountain West really wanted to push it. Um, and, and I don't see why they wouldn't, right? Why not? I mean. Well, it's kind of like the SEC. and uh, the San, 12, right? San, San Diego and State's o- screwed. They're screwed. Yeah, Texas and, and Oklahoma wouldn't leave. Well, the Big 12 said, okay, if you want to leave, you're going to pay this. You know, that's. Right. Leave early. And I think that's pretty standard practice for these conferences, I think. But it's kind of a shame that SMU got caught up in this because I don't really know what you do if you're there. Do they have well, they, some kind of – Well, a, they were smart. They, didn't, they, didn't, they, they, they didn't tell the AAC that they were leaving. True. True. They were, they, were, they were the smart ones, right? I mean, in my opinion. Um, yeah, I was trying to look here. Um, I mean, it still looks like from some of the headlines I'm kind of seeing. The SMU is still looking to move on. Um, well, think about this stuff. You're San Diego State. Let's say the Mountain West says, yeah, we're good. You, you're going to pay us this penalty. We, we don't want you anymore. So now you become an independent. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, if you languish out there as an independent for a oh. couple of, for a couple of years, who's to say maybe the Pac-12 doesn't want you anymore? I don't know. I'm just saying, okay. like, so here's because could, could uh, this go downhill quickly 
for San Diego State. So this is – yeah, I think it will for them. So this is uh, Sports Illustrated talking about this little fiasco by San Diego State. And it says, assuming that SMU has learned of San Diego's mistake, and I'm sure they have by now, they likely won't inform the American Conference, as you said, of their plan to leave until they know it's a sure thing. So they're probably going to stay in place. In order to leave, they would have to pay the American Athletic Conference an exit fee of $10 million and also provide a 27-month notice of departure. So that's, that's a year and – no, that's two years and it's three two, months. Yeah. So even if they well, left if right they now, break them, it's just 2026. Well, my guess is that if SMU was to not provide that much notice, they just pay a higher penalty. Yeah, I would have seen so. But if they're going to the Pac-12, they're making more money. So, yeah. So I guess that's kind of uh, where everything is. I guess it's all right for SMU because they can they can win that conference in football. I don't know what their other sports are, really, but football. I think they they can win that conference if they oh, put yeah. everything together. Yeah. Football and, and basketball. Yep. I mean, because that conference um, got that conference got significantly weaker. Like, oh gosh, yeah. Like yeah, way yeah. weaker, right? Let's see. I mean, you lost Cincinnati, Houston, Central Florida. So, you know, you think about who's strong that's left. SMU, uh, Memphis. Well, you've got. Let me get over here to the. Football. I mean, none of the teams they brought in are like great teams. They're all because if I'm not mistaken, the AAC's got agreement with some teams in some sports. If I'm not mistaken, is that? Well, I mean, not in the big sports. They're all in for the big sports. Maybe some smaller sports, but. Uh, so football, they have Charlotte, East Carolina, Florida Atlantic, Memphis, Navy, North Texas, Rice, SMU. South Florida, Temple, Tulane, Tulsa, UAB, and UTSA. So UTSA is right now probably the best team in that conference. I think they're preseason ranked, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Memphis. Tulane. Tulane. Um, SMU. But they got, SMU, yeah. they got significantly weaker. Yeah, they, they definitely got a lot weaker. When Houston and those guys left that. <laughs> that hurt. Um, anyway, moving on. Enough about that. Just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, we got a couple commitments coming up today. Or, well, one for sure today at 5 o'clock. Uh, Five-star edge, Elijah Rushing. Uh, like I said, he's committing today at 5 o'clock. He's a West Coast boy expectations because I've been watching this kind of closely because Tennessee's involved of course but there I don't know I don't know if this is mind games and I'm kind of sure this is what it is uh Oregon's some local writers around Oregon are saying oh we're, we're out and we think the favorite's going to be Arizona because he wants to stay on the west coast and blah 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 and then you hear others think that Tennessee's the leader and now Notre Dame has jumped into the final four so and Elijah said nothing. 
he's he's been zip lip right other than hey check me out tomorrow five o'clock when i make my announcement um out of those four it's hard for me to believe that oregon is out of the running if he truly wanted to stay on the west coast i think oregon's where you go i don't think arizona's the team that you necessarily want to go to if you're looking at nfl i guess um it could happen but just not my my thought i, I think it's a two-horse race between oregon and tennessee so um i guess here in about two and a half hours i'll uh i'll be listening to the radio to find out but would be a big get for either four of the teams, right? Especially Arizona and Notre Dame. I think it'd be a huge get if they could pull it off. But um, I think Oregon and Tennessee are, for me, I, from what I'm saying, I think they're the two front runners. It's just a matter of does does he really truly want to stay on the West Coast? So, um, and that happens, right? We see that all the time yeah. with kids. So it's kind of closer, closer to home or whatever. So makes sense. Um, and then four-star corner and top ten at the position, Kai Bates has gone silent with LSU. So I've been following this one, too, because it's got Tennessee involved as well. But it kind of looked like, for all intents and purposes, it was a done deal with LSU, right? And now he's nobody's heard a word from him at LSU. He's not on social medias. And all of a sudden, if you look at – According to on three, their crystal ball has him leaning towards Tennessee now. So I don't know. And I went back and looked, and I've seen nothing in the news or on podcast or even local radio that suggested that Bates has flipped. Um, I think they're kind of, from what I understand, they're kind of shocked too because they, they don't know, nobody's talked to him, right? So nobody knows really what he's thinking. So be interesting. I know he's a four-star, but for Tennessee, that would be huge, especially since we need secondary help. But uh, that was two of the more top-ranked um, recruits that are fixing to commit. There's some other ones, but uh, still a lot of time um, to go around. July will be a busy month for recruiting because, especially for this 2024 class, that's coming, a lot of those kids, they like to get that commitment out of the way so they can focus on their senior year before they go in. So, and July is kind of that last moment, right? Because right now they're in spring spring practice, or not spring practice, but summer camp, you know, school's just around the corner next month in August when the new semester and stuff starts. So I think a lot of these high school kids, they like to get that out of the way so they can focus on their senior year and have which makes sense if you can lock all that up. I mean, you can still flip it any time until you sign that uh, national letter of intent or whatever, but still, now that you got the one-year transfer, it don't really mean anything, right? You're not truly, totally locked in. So, right. But, yeah, I expect July to be um, hot and heavy with a lot of announcements and commitments. So, we'll see. Um, do, you, do, do you think there will be a push – you know, recent, not too long ago, they moved up. They had an early signing period, right, December. Do you think there's going to be a push to make that even sooner? And when I ask, like, an official signing period, right, people people can commit whenever they want to commit, but it doesn't really become binding until they sign that uh, national letter of intent. Do you think there's going to be a, 
do you foresee that there'll be a push to make it the period even sooner than December? Like you're saying like October, November, that way? Even like, I don't know, August, right? I don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm just thinking like, you know, before the season starts, right? Because, you know, I think the hard December is not great. I think for the college coaches, right? Because their season's just ending. But, you know, but maybe August isn't good yeah. either. They're trying to do playbooks and, you know, practice. And I, I just don't know. I want to say no because this December period is relatively new itself. It is. If yeah. I'm making – because what it was usually, what, February was the yep. was the traditional date, right? And then you open up this window. Because it's only been December for maybe now. Um, two, three years, right, for the December? Is that yeah, right? a couple of years, maybe three at the most. I, I, I think you're right on that. And I, I don't know. I don't see them moving that earlier in the high school season or the college season. I don't think you want to – especially college. college well, it, they it, really it, have, it'd have to be in the summer. With. If they were going to do it earlier, it'd have to be in the summer, right? I mean – Right. And I don't see that happening – during the year. So like you said, it has to be in the summer, which is your, what, May, June, July. Um, spring games are usually April. Yeah. Most of them, I think summer in March, some towards closer to May, but for the most part, April, early weeks of April is your, <clears throat> so I don't think you really want that window there. Um, I don't know. I, I, I kind of don't see it because you, because you got the, the whole season, your seasons are over except maybe the championship games and some bigger bowl games. So December, you know, you can get in there and feel relaxed. Some of the coaches can and say, <laughs> I feel like the this smaller... is what we did or didn't do. And then you, you got the holidays. So I think December's right. I, I just, because I think there's this other window early in the year. You got the February, you got the normal window. And then I think there's another one later, right? Like, April, May, ain't there a third oh, no, window? The, the, the other one, no, it's just February. It's just the December. Well, December and then the one in February. And then the one in February, any time afterwards, you can – you're talking about when they can sign? Right. Yeah, so they have the one in December. And then the second right. one is like, I don't know, early February. But then after that point, any time, I guess. Yeah. Well, see, I really don't – I don't think they'll move it then. I think that's just a – Early window, really, because after after February, you can sign pretty much any time. I don't know when that date cuts off. Is it the start of the season? Well, it's only for people coming into that next recruiting class, so it's not for like you couldn't you couldn't sign that far out in advance. You basically have to be in your senior year or done with your senior year before you can do it. So, yeah, I think that December is. Now that we discuss it a little bit, I think that's really for like early enrollees, like you said, players that are done. Maybe their season plays a little sooner and the finish is a little sooner, so they can go ahead and get that out of the way, I think, which I guess there's still loopholes and ways to navigate it. But right now, I don't to answer your question. I don't think they'll move that into the summer. And I, I guess I, I don't, I could see like smaller schools pushing for it, right? Because, like, your right. Alabama, Alabama's and Georgia's, they, they don't really care. They're going to get who they want when they want them. So, like, right. for the, for them, I think they'd rather have it later, right? Guy tears his knee up 
in, in, in school, then they can pull his offer. <laughs> right. So I think it would definitely benefit like like your school, Old Dominion. Small I think schools, that would be, yeah. It helps yeah, smaller definitely schools. Benefit them. Um, but that's pretty much it for the news and the notes. Um, we want to thank our sponsors, Trophy Smacks. Uh, they donate rings for our Listener League winners. Um, our WIDP Grind campus and the Canton side, and then our two IDP Nation Leagues. So we thank them for that. We've showed you many times. Nice, heavy, quality um, merchandise here. I can figure out where I'm going. As you can see there, nice, well-built, very heavy. Comes in its own little box by Trophy Smack. So we thank them. Um, we want to thank MFL.com, uh, my fancy league, as they are our official sponsor for the NFL side of our listener leagues. And we should thank Fantrax as well as, as they do the college side. Um, not quite up to par as we'd like it. Right now, it's really the only site the you only can do it. And hopefully, if you are doing that, you have a great commissioner like uh, Choppy and Justice that take the time and care enough to dig through it and do things the right way. So um, hopefully, that's um, you have that in place. And then Action 24-7 betting, locally owned gambling site for Tennesseans. Woohoo, go Vols. Uh, five Tennesseans. They've got all the odds just like the big boys, um, and you can literally bet on anything. Baseball, basketball, football, ping pong, hockey, darts, racing, AAA baseball, you name it, they've got it. Go check them out. Use the promo code HOLLYWOOD100, and they'll match your deposit up to 400 bucks. So if you put in 400 they're going to give you 400 So go check that out. Um we're getting into our conference previews for IDP. So we've already done the SEC. We're on to the Big 12, or Big 10 now, excuse me. Um, <clears throat> we're doing the Big 10 East. And we were looking at some of these names. Some of these schools have, uh, <laughs> putting it politely, have been hammered by the transfer portal. Um, yeah. I mean, you were sitting here looking our first two schools, Indiana and Maryland, and <clears throat> just going down, you know, looking to see, okay, what players have left, who's come in. Whew, man, Indiana and uh, Maryland have been crushed by the portal. They've had a lot of players leave. Some of their better players have left, um, which well, it makes it hard. Got, right? That makes it harder. Like or Cam, got drafted Cam, right or, or Cam just, Jones for Indiana. Yeah, or just got graduated, you know, you know, going on with the second part of the career. There is those players too. Um, we only had two names for Indiana. Um, and both of them were incoming transfers. Um, one of them was Andre Carter, the defensive end from Western Michigan. Western Michigan, thank you. And then the other one was Anthony Jones, who is a linebacker that just transferred in, well, back in May, May 15th, that transferred from Oklahoma, or, uh, Oregon to Indiana. Um, 
pretty good size, 6'3", 235. Um, only played one year, I believe it was. Um, I think there's opportunity with all that they've lost, right? I think there's plenty of opportunity for him to step in maybe as a starter at um, Indiana for them. I guess that's the one thing about the portal. When you get – if you lose a lot, if you do get players that come in, there's a lot of opportunity there. Yeah. The, I don't know um... if you want to – Stand on either one. <laughs> well, Andre Carter. I mean, he's probably the most intriguing one. He's. I would venture to guess in most IDP leagues, he's probably rostered just based on what he did at uh, Western Michigan. I mean, he had sixty-eight tackle total tackles last year, seven sacks, um, and those are great numbers, uh, especially the tackle numbers for a for a defensive end, right? And so, I would expect most leagues, but if he isn't. Um, he's definitely someone that's intriguing enough, I think, to roster. Um, I don't know that he's going to reproduce 68 tackles in Indiana. Um, the, the sack numbers, yeah, I mean, my guess is maybe it's closer to like 40 tackles. But, you know, the sack numbers, I think, are, are you know, can he reproduce them? Sure. Willie, that's another story, right? It's It'd be interesting to see how he adjusts to the step up in competition, right? And see, um, yeah. you know, see if he's able to, you know, produce seven or eight sacks. I'm just trying to look at his uh, game, his game stats from last year. Um, if they played anybody really good, so they played Michigan State last year. He had seven total tackles and one sack. They played Pitt. He had 11 tackles, no sacks, and that's really the only – those are the only uh, Power 5 schools that he played – that they played last season. It, it does look – I mean, base. he kind of was getting like one and a half, two sacks when he got him. It was either one and a half, two per game or nothing. So it was kind of in spurts. Um, but – and most of his production was – you know, it was in other – not tackles, but his sack production. Most of that was in the MAC. Yeah, so the two Power Five games he had, he had one sack, and that was the first game of the year uh, against Michigan State. But his tackle numbers in both the, the Power Five games were good: eleven tackles against Pitt, seven against Michigan State. So yeah. the and question is, the experienced player too, forty-seven games at Central Michigan. Yeah, will Indiana use him the same way at Western Michigan did, and, and, and allow him to get that many tackles? My my gut says probably not, you know. So, but definitely someone that you know should be on your radar. Um, I mean, if he can produce in Indiana, I mean, I think it's possible he gets he could be a late round draft pick, right? Um, well, the volume is going to be there because I have to imagine that Indiana is going to be fairly rough this season. Um, right, he's certainly going to have the opportunity. The question is, is he going right. to what's he going to produce with that opportunity? What's he going to do with it? Right, and I'm trying to see. So, on their website, Indiana's website, they have him listed as a defensive line, which with his size kind of tells me he's going to play more up front along the line, interior, top. Oh, yeah, I mean, he's, he's 6'5", 263, so. Yeah, I mean, he could play edge, but it, from what it looks like with the D-line, 
classification. Maybe he's going to put kick inside zone. Maybe if he adds weight, I don't know. But and then Anthony Jones that I was talking about transferred from Oregon. He's a he was a true freshman last year. So um, and they redshirted him. So he's still got four years of eligibility left. Um, and he's pretty pretty decent size, six three, two forty three. If you look at some of the recruiting services, um, they kind of liked him, you know, pretty well. So maybe a change of scenery is, will be good for him. And like I said, you'll have the opportunity in Indiana. He'll have the opportunity to see the field. Now, what he does with that, we'll have to see. But at least that's kind of uh, my thoughts on it. Yeah, and they lose Cam Jones, right? And so – right. He got so, drafted. Uh, so. A young player that can potentially fill in someday. You, you kind of like that upside for him. Um, I'll let you go with Maryland. You, I just wanted to get us started there, but I thought it was interesting that those two. Well, just real quick, <laughs> so I mean, losses. Cam Jones, like, he had 54 tackles last year, but he only played in, you know, five games. So he was averaging 10 tackles a game. I assume he got injured um, early on because like he played the first five games of the year and didn't play anymore. Um, and so 10 tackles a game, that's, you know, if, if he does step into that role, that's definitely, that definitely would be of interest. Right. So, yep, you know, absolutely. someone more to kind of keep an eye on as a watch list kind of guy, right. Not, not someone that you necessarily drafting. All right. So, uh, Maryland, um, the first player is Sean Barham, who was there last season. He's a linebacker. He was their third leading tackler last year at 59 tackles um, total. He had four sacks, um, one pass deflection, and a forced fumble and a fumble recovery. He was their top linebacker in terms of uh, terms of tackles. Um, he he was a freshman last year, and so I think you know, given that he was a freshman and their top tackler, um, yeah. That's something of interest, right? To, to kind of, yep. Or top linebacker, linebacker for tackling. Um, and you know, hopefully yeah, he can started, improve. Uh, looks like he started twelve of the thirteen games, missing the uh, Northwestern game for an injury. But other than that, he played played and started every game. So yeah, so it's definitely someone to, to keep an eye on in IDP leagues. Uh, the next player was their leading tackler last year. If I remember correctly, he had like some really really big games which I think kind of made him the leading tackler um, is Bo Braid, the safety. Um, look, trying to look at his game log now, but I, if I remember he had a, he had a 15 tackle game against um, SMU and then two, eight tackle games. Um, but he had 85 total tackles last year as their leading tackler. He had two forced fumbles, uh, five passes deflected, two interceptions, um, you know, definitely like from a safety position, you know, 85 tackles is pretty good. So, you know, the, I don't know if he has any NFL capabilities. He's, he's 6'1", 200 pounds. Um, so he might be a little bit small right. to kind of kind of play like in the box role at the next level. Um, but and I, I don't I don't can't really speak to his coverage abilities, so I'm not sure. But from a college production standpoint. You know, he has, that's pretty good, 85 tackles for his safety. 
And then the last guy is someone I think you added, uh, Jordan Phillips. Um, was he there last year? Yeah, hang on. My uh... – because I don't see him. I don't see him in their stats for last year. So I don't know. Is he a transfer in or um, – He is. Uh, he played at Tennessee. Sorry, my I had an incoming call and it switched my headphone off for some reason. Um, Phillips was a freshman last year for us at Tennessee, um, six two two nine five. So he's a he's a pretty good sized boy, right? Um, played three games for us last year. Uh, didn't do a whole lot, but we had some veterans in front of him, so uh, that kind of limited his playing time, especially in us in a good season, right? When you're making a run for a possible championship and so they what and our defensive line was pretty stacked anyway so not a whole lot of room for him and then we've got some more incoming guys so maybe that was a sign for him to he needed to move elsewhere um i think he'll be a good player for maryland i really do uh, you need those big studs up front and i think he has a, a pretty good chance to do one so be one for them so he's still got what three years of eligibility left so um Going back to Sean Barnum, I found this little nugget. He is the first true freshman in Maryland history. Well, no, let me take that back. He is the first true freshman for Maryland with 12 tackles in a game since Quell Jackson did it in 2002, so 20 years ago. So that's uh, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not bad at all. So. Um, Especially for a team that you know not, you know, you don't don't have a lot of defensive stars that he's you know really having to compete with. Yeah, and this was in their win against SMU, where he had twelve tackles, seven solos, and he got his first sack in that game of his career. So I like this kid. I think he's somebody you definitely put on your watch list, right? I mean, the opportunities, the volume, and depending on play you like know. that. I mean, depending on how deep the league is, you probably roster. I would roster him, you know. Yeah. Um, Michigan's up next. Yep. Um, Mr. Big Time's team. Yeah, Mr. Big Time. Don't know why he likes them so well, but, yeah, maybe because he's a player. Whatever. Um, so you've got a little list here for them that we'll run through. Junior Colson, the linebacker, uh, Edge Josiah Stewart, corner Will Johnson, linebacker Ernest Hosman, and safety Keon Saab. The first well, two is clearly the big guns, right? Yeah, I mean, Hausman's not going to start for him this year. Um, so he's probably someone to keep an eye on for next year, I think, right? Um, but mm-hmm. the other guys are all starters, right? I mean, Colson's uh, their yeah, number one linebacker. So. Um, he had 101 tackles last year, two sacks, one uh, pass defended. Um, he's their starting middle linebacker. Um, I, I I expect that he'll get drafted. Nah, I don't know that I expect that he'll get drafted like super high or anything. Um, but I don't know. I, if I had to put a draft projection on him, I'm probably thinking like 
fourth round at the earliest? It's just like, I don't know. 235. Let's see what. Eh. I don't know. I could see him going in the third. I mean, if he has another season or better than he had a year ago, 101 tackles, six for a loss, two sacks. I mean, I know those aren't eye popping numbers, but. And it, it, can, a lot will depend on how he tests, too, right? Exactly. Especially when you're 6'2, 235. If you can run and jump and all that, then. You're probably going to do well. I mean, he's definitely he definitely should be rostered in a C to C IDP league. Uh, yeah. Um, Hosman, he was a freshman last year for the Corn Yeah, yeah. Um, and he had he's see twelve games, seven starts, uh, fifty four tackles, thirty six solos, which that's a pretty good solo rate, um, and two TFLs, a sack, and a fumble recovery. So. Um, fifth true freshman and linebacker to start a game for the Huskers in the last 30 years. Um, I think that, I think the thing with him, though, is you're going to be waiting, right? He's not going to be a starter this year. Um, I wouldn't think so. I'd think maybe – what do you think? Maybe next year. I don't know what their depth Next year, assume, assuming Colson leaves, then, which I would think he will, um, unless he just falls flat on his face. Um, then, yeah, you're looking at next yeah. year. And so he's kind of a – you know – Someone I'm going to be more or more interested in for next year, um, and I know gen, generally speaking, like I don't for IDP, I'm not going to roster a guy who's just going to sit on my roster for a year and not play. Yeah, generally, it's hard, no, I would. It's hard for me to do that because number one, right. you know, you're using up a roster spot that's not helping you, and it's on defense, which I think is even worse, right? Because I just well, I just feel like Easy, now we're a defensive show here. No, but but the reason why I say that is like I, I just feel like defense is easier to replace. Yeah, you're right. It is, and, and so yeah, but I, it's difficult hate, to let go of some of those guys though sometimes. Right, and I mean, like, and, and a lot of times, like you know, if someone's in a league with me, and they're like, "Oh, well, you have so and so in your roster that sit on there all year." Well, I will say this, like, with the exception of. Our listener league, any other league I'm in that's a C to C, I was not the original owner. Um, and so, you know, there are guys that are on my rosters that I've had to sit there and wait. Um, but it's because they were probably, you know, a very early draft pick from the original owner. Um, and so, like, I'm not just going to let, like, let them go for free, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um, right. I mean, I, I know I have a roster. There was like I had a, I want to say I had uh, I, when I took the team over. Small Munden was on there, right? Well, he sat on that. He sat on that roster for how many years before he did anything? <laughs> right. And like for me personally, like I would never build a roster that way. Um, but I didn't. I didn't cut him because he was already on the roster. You know what I'm saying? Right. So. Um. I, That's the interesting one, right? I mean, to see how Yeah, this this is very curious to me on your thoughts. So, he's a a sophomore. He's a junior. Uh, Well, he's a – well – Oh, he is a junior. I'm sorry. He is a junior. Yeah, I mean, he's played two years. Yeah, he's played two years. So, his freshman year, 
he breaks out, right? Hits the scene, 43 tackles, 15 and a half for loss, 12 and a half sacks, three forced bones. Then you come back last year, 36 tackles, that's pretty close. 10 TFLs, that's pretty close, but only three and a half sacks. My question yeah. to you, I guess, is where, now that he's in Michigan, surrounded with much better, better talent, uh, probably a better coaching staff, I would say. Uh, I, I like Harbaugh up there in Michigan. I think he's doing a fine job with him. Do you see Stewart getting back to that 21 breakout season? Or do you think he's still closer to this, what we saw last year? I think he's somewhere in the middle, personally. I think that's kind of where I see him. I think we're going to know, right? So, um, if he's a starter on this team, then he's the 12 and a half sack guy. I mean, if I had to if I had to pick one or the other, I think he's closer to the 12 and a half than he is the three and a half. Um, I don't, I don't necessarily mean that I think he's gonna get 12 and a half sacks this year, but I think he'll be closer to that. I mean, I think he's his 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 talent is closer to that. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Um, I think like in my personal opinion, what we saw his freshman year versus his, his uh, sophomore year was number one, the talent around them. So that 2021 coastal Carolina team had two other very good defensive linemen. Um, their names escape me off the top of my head, but they had two other like, two really good defensive linemen on that team. And he's a true freshman, right? So they aren't game planning for him. So, you, you know, say he caught people by surprise. But uh-huh. last year, last year, there they were game planning for him, clearly, right? There was no oh, other. Yeah. Those other two guys were gone on the defensive line. He was the focus. He was, he was the focus. And so, you know, he didn't. And the Coastal Carolina defense was terrible last year. I mean, my God, they let they let ODU run for 200 yards against them, and like ODU didn't run like that against anybody else. Like nobody else did ODU run like that, but they ran like that against Coastal Carolina that day, and um, their their defense was just atrocious. And so, like you said, he's going to have more talent. I don't know. He's not going to say going to be the focal point of, of other um, of other offenses, right? And so it's just a step up a competition. I, I And I don't know, like, I, I think we assume he's going to start, but we don't know that for sure, right? Well, I mean, I would have to imagine he's this, is, this is what I think. I, I think if he doesn't start, well, then my end, I would say, He's closer to the three and a half sack guy, right? Right. At least that's what Michigan thinks about him. Because yeah, you know, um, they lost Mike Morris, right? They don't know they necessarily have someone else to step into that role, right? And so the natural inclination is that that's going to be Stewart. So if he's not a starter, then he's yeah. Yeah, there's something wrong if he doesn't start. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. And I, I guess I'm kind of inclined to agree with you a little bit there. If he starts from Michigan, I, which I guess kind of puts 
closer to the middle. I said that I think we'll see him somewhere in the middle. But I think if you can get seven, eight, maybe even nine sacks out of him, then I think that's okay, right? I think that's pretty good considering our bounce back season for sure, right? Uh, and if he's getting those numbers, then they're probably winning some games. He's probably doing pretty good himself. So I just don't know if he's that 12-and-a-half sack guy, which I guess it's not the jump that Jared Burst made, right, from Albany to, yeah. to Florida State, but from – Coastal Carolina to Michigan, that's that's a pretty sizable jump in, in competition. So, I mean, if he can give me eight or nine sacks, I, I'd be okay with that. I think he'll do well, especially in fantasy, too. I think he'd be all right if he could give you that kind of production. Those other two guys I was thinking of for Coastal were C.J. Brewer and uh, Jeffrey yes. Gunter. Yes. Who, yes. Who, who were good college players. Yep. And I think they all three fit together well. That's why they had such a good – good year or two years they had down there together. So, yeah. Um, Keon Sab, this is a highly recruited player that we've not heard a whole lot about, right? Uh, Four-star player, uh, 94th player overall, so he's a top 100 player. Um, last year he only played in four games as a freshman. Didn't really play a true role um, as far as corner or safety. But at 6'1", 208, he kind of fits closer to that safety mold, right? Yeah. So I think that's where he fits. And with them losing some players over the last couple of years, right? They that lost Moten transferred to uh, Florida. Yeah. Is it R.J. Moten? Is that yep, his name? Yep, yep. He transferred yep. to Florida, I believe. And then they lost Daxton Hill last year, or this year, to the draft. They lost somebody the year before. Um, or not this year, but they lost a couple pieces. Uh, D.J. Turner. They lost the corner D.J. Turner this year. Hill was the year before, sorry. So they've lost some pieces. I think Sab's in for a, a significant role. Now, what that'll be this year I'm not quite sure, but I was pretty high on him. Player, playmaker, right at the safety position or in the secondary, if you want to play him at corner, I think he's more. Of a, I think he goes more towards safety than that. But um, as a sophomore with three years of control left, I mean, you could do worse, right? If, you're, if you really need safety help, uh, maybe this is somebody that you take a flyer on and pick up because I think he will see a, a lot more playing time than he did as a freshman. And the uh, the last guy from Michigan that we haven't mentioned yet is cornerback Will Johnson, who was a true freshman last year. Pretty sure he was on some freshman All-American teams. Um, and like you said, D.J. Turner is gone. So Will Johnson, who played played quite a bit for him last year, uh, he was uh, their second, uh, second leading tackler at corner behind uh, D.J. Turner. He had uh, 27 total tackles last year, uh, three interceptions, and – three passes defended, um, he probably steps into that number one corner role, right? And, and uh, you know, anytime you see a true freshman getting that much playing time in the Big Ten, that's a – I think that's a positive sign for their NFL draft hopes as well. Um, yeah, so he uh, – 14 games. At, so he played, he's a he quarterback. He's played every game. Right? 
yeah, and he started five at corner. Um, so yeah, he's got, I think so he's, he's got two more years. But if you're in a cornerback required league, he's definitely someone that yeah, uh, you should be looking at. He's got this year and one more before he can go because he was a yeah, yeah. freshman last Three year. overall if he stays, yes. Yeah, right. Yeah. So he's got two more before he's eligible for the NFL draft. But uh, definitely if you're so in a cornerback required league. a quick question league. I want to ask you, not to get sidetracked, because I always have a, a difficult time with it. Like, when you're – just for your personal use, right? Not – any, I mean, it can be fancy or whatever. When you look at a like Johnson here, or uh, <laughs> yeah, Johnson, do you look at him as you have two years left, meaning he has this year and next year before he's eligible for the draft, or do you look at him as a player? Oh, he's got three years left unless he leaves early, because I think both of those are are the same, but they're different, right? So I, I look at him as two years um, because especially in a C2C league, if he's worth the crap, he's gone after three years, right? It's right. I mean, do you see after the four year you're out? I would say it's, I don't think it's as big a deal on defense as it is on offense. Right. I think a lot of people like look at offensive players and if they aren't gone after their third year, that's thought of as negatively. Right. Um, I don't think it's as big a deal for the defense players, but you know, your, your, your top end defensive guys, generally speaking, like, you know, I think like from a planning perspective, I'm looking at three years, you know, unless, especially someone like in Will Johnson's case where they played pretty significantly as a freshman, it's different when a guy's got to sit for two years. Right. So maybe he does play all four because, you know, he didn't get a chance to play his first two years. Um, right. So I think it kind of depends on that. But, like, if you look at the specific example of Will Johnson, like, I look at him as having two years left because I would fully expect okay. he's going to be gone after his third year. And I, I kind of agree with you on that. If, if they're good and they're on that trend up, right, kind of like Johnson is here, then three years is all he's given college probably because he's right. gone. Um now, if an injury happens, God forbid, or, or something like that, then I can see that extra year being a possibility or whatever. But I kind of go both ways personally for me because we'll use Will Johnson again. Um, I'll say, okay, he's got three years left that he can play, right, without any medical red shirts or whatever. Um, even a he's still got a red shirt here that he can fall back on. So barring any of that, he's got three years left. 22, 23, or 23, 24, and 25 that he can play. Being that he's trending so good, for me, I have to say, okay, I've got two years of him left at the least. That's kind of, and I use, I kind of use both of them for my team. Now, I think it changes a little bit like if you're looking like freshmen because, like you said, what if they happen to sit behind somebody and wait? Then I kind of look like, okay, maybe I need to look at the high end of three years, four years, whatever it is I got left. Right. I was just curious about that. I didn't mean to get a sidetrack. No, it's, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a, it's a good conversation. I mean, I said, I think it really depends on the situation. Like, 
if it had um, had Will Johnson not played last season at all, like I would probably think, you know, well, he's I'd probably think of him more as like more as a three year potential guy or three right. years left, right? Than I would as a four, as, you know, two, two more. I mean, it really, it's really situation dependent, I think, upon the on the player and and you know what they've done up to that point. Right. Um, I think that does it for Michigan. Um, Michigan State, the mighty mighty Spartans. Um, you have Cal Halliday linebacker Jacoby Windham, Windman, Jacoby Windman. If I can talk. Linebacker, and then we have cornerback Terry Roberts, who I added. Um, I think, you know, in fantasy, I guess corners were kind of a dime a dozen, right? Um, is, he a most fresh, you can just, is he a freshman or a transfer? Well, he, he's a transfer from Iowa. Gotcha. Um, pretty good player for them, actually. So I don't know why he left. Um, because they could use him <laughs> for sure. Um, I'm just not sure what the deal there with him is, but that's a good pickup for Michigan State. Um, you've got Halliday and Winman here. What's your thinking on them? So, so Winman was a guy I think that was that was injured at some point last year. Um, a former transfer too. Um, he he ended the year really well. Before I, I, I'm thinking he must have got hurt again because um, he didn't play any games after October 29th. Um, so in those, what, one, two, three, six, eight games, he had 49 tackles. His last two games before he got injured, um, 11 and 12 tackles. I know he, he was someone they were really high on going into last year. Um, but, you know, Obviously, the injury kind of derailed that. Um, now, Halliday, on the other hand, was their leading tackler last year. He was a freshman All-American the year before. Um, last year, he ended with uh, 120 total tackles, one and a half sacks, uh, forced fumble, fumble recovery. Um, he was kind of you know, he was their star middle linebacker. Um, He's 6'1", 235. I don't – I'm just not sure about his – I think – yeah, if he's, he's, if he's a little six, small. Yeah, the, the weight isn't really the concern for me so much as the height, right? Exactly. You need to be, what, 6'3"-ish? I mean, because my concern is if Michigan State's saying he's 6'1", is he really like six foot? <laughs> right. Um, right. And so, you know, it doesn't really matter, in my opinion. Like, we saw it this past year with Ivan Pace, right? Super productive, but he was a little on the short side, right? Yep, yep. Um, and he failed in the draft. And, I mean, and, he and, fell a long way. Well, he didn't even get drafted. He was an undrafted free agent. Exactly. Um, now, the only difference is obviously Halliday's doing it at a, at a higher level than, than Ivan Pace was. But, yeah, right. so – I'm, yeah, I like both of these guys. I think Halliday I like them for college production for sure. I just don't know at the end of the day Halliday's NFL ability given his size. 
Exactly. I think if you need if you need a college linebacker, he's probably a good get. Two hundred sixteen tackles in twenty five games over the past two seasons, one hundred and twenty and ninety six. So it, the floor for him is there, right? Uh, as a college producer, I think you can plug him in each week. He's probably going to be pretty reliable and dependable. If your if your league scores more big play type stuff, then I think I would go with Winman because he's more of a actual box score filler, right? Yeah, he had five and a half sacks, 49 tackles. Yeah, five and a half sacks, ten and a half TFLs, a pick, six forced fumbles, three pass deflections. So, plus he gives you uh, tackles. Looks like he was 49 and eight games, so he was right at, what, uh, six a game, just over six a game, which isn't bad. So, I think if you can get that with some of these other stats, fillers that he does. I think I would rather take a chance on him for this year. And, and, and like he's six two two fifty, so maybe he has a little more NFL value. Right. Especially like as, a, as an edge rusher, maybe. I mean, that's still kind of short yeah. fight for an edge, but. Yeah. Um, Talking about the NFL, so Ben, ben Van Summeren, who was a, pretty sure he was a UDFA, but he got some hype, like, you know, last year. Out. Just because of his uh, pro day, right? Because I don't—he wasn't at the combine. He didn't get invited to the combine, but he had some some pretty freakish pro day numbers. But you know, he's he's six three two forty, so he's two to three inches taller than Halliday. Um, so just kind of give you an idea, someone from the same team. Yeah, and he blew up. Uh, ben Summer and did he? Right. He, he, had, he, 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 yeah. Yeah. The, his combine numbers from his pro day were pretty good, right? I mean, that's kind of what yeah they were pro- propelled him, but he was still a UDFA. Yeah, yeah, it, outstanding, but it got him on the map, right? It, you got some yes, things looking yeah, at him. Yeah. Um, I mean, Halliday could, and I haven't seen Halliday play that much, so I don't really know. But like, just looking at his size and the numbers, kind of reminds me maybe like a Power Five Jason Henderson. Great college player, but mm, probably not a whole lot of NFL potential. Right. Um, so these next for up next is Ohio State. So I'm going to break these down just a little bit. Um, we're going to run through them, but I want to break them down in groups, I guess. So the list is JT Tuiamalu, uh, defensive end, Tommy Eichenberg, linebacker. Lanthan Ransom, safety. Denzel Burke, corner. Jack Sawyer, defensive end. Sonny Styles, safety. Jihad Carter, safety. Steel Chambers, a linebacker. CJ Hicks, a linebacker. And Davison Igman Nason, uh, a corner, a transfer. So I'm going to go just a tad out of order here, but I want to talk about JT Tuamalu, Jack Sawyer, and Tommy Eichenberg here. So um, I'll let you lead the way. Um, I mean, all three of them, right, are, 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 you know, NFL draft potential. I think, I think JT's probably getting the most buzz, right? Um, or maybe even Eichenberg. Um, JT's 6'4, 270. Last season, he had, um, 28 total tackles, three and a half sacks, uh, forced fumble and a fumble recovery along with two interceptions. And if I remember correctly, there was like one game, like, 
last year that he kind of had like just a crazy stat line, right? Um, here it is. It's the Penn State game. Yeah, he had he yep. had six he had six tackles, um, three solo, three assists, two sacks, a forced fumble, um, a fumble a fumble recovery, uh, two interceptions. Uh, he returned um, one of the interceptions for a touchdown, and he had uh, a pass defended. Um, but outside of that one game, he didn't really do too much, right? I mean, he only had one and a half sacks other than that game. Um, so he kind of flashes potential, right, in that game. Yep. But but then you fast forward to the Georgia game, and, like, he didn't do anything. He had two passes yeah. defended. Yeah, he was a no-show in that game. Um, um, I like him. I mean, I do, and I, I kind of followed him through the recruiting process a little bit, um, which brings in my other player here, Jack Sawyer, right, his teammate, because they came in together. Um, they were in the same class. Um, both were – I'm trying to get this to work here. Both were – super highly recruited, right? Like JT was in the top one or two uh, and Sawyer wasn't far behind. So they're two different players. And I think they came in as the same, but I think now that they're in college, you're going to see them split and go different directions. And what I mean is JT is uh, 6'4", right? I think you, the way he's built, though, and the way he plays, I think he sticks – on the D line, right? So he's going to kick inside some. He's going to play that defensive end. I think Sawyer is a little – now, the numbers are the same, but I think Sawyer's a little different, 6'4", 265. I think he plays more of that true edge, right? And it kind of showed because he had six and a half sacks last year. So – but if you're looking at both of them, I think Tuamalu is more of your pressure guy, your – your impact behind the line of scrimmage, where Sawyer is your, your more of your true edge rusher. I think, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see him to get up near 10 sacks this year. I mean, he's he had three as a freshman, six and a half last year. So the natural progression is 10. Right? That's where you want to see him take that next step. So um, I've had some people ask me, Tuamalu is probably the high. well, he's not probably, he is the higher recruit, but Jack Sawyer's for me, is a better player. And I think he – I don't want to say he has a better NFL trajectory as I think they both get there. But I think fantasy-wise, the fantasy value, I think Sawyer's, for me, is where you get it. Yeah, I mean – yeah, so basically what you're – I mean, you kind of see uh, JT more as a 3-4 uh, a defensive end, I guess. Yes, yes. Um and I think Sawyer's more of that stand-up rusher, you know. Um, yeah, and I think from an NFL perspective, it's at least the mock drafts I've seen, JT's definitely gotten more love than Jack right now. Yeah. Yeah, he is getting more love. I think, you know, he's – like I said, some of the mocks we've seen, his name is well off the board before uh, Sawyer. So, um. And then our third one here in this group is uh, Tommy Ackenberg, the linebacker. Um, who kind of came out of like nowhere, right? Like just to. <laughs> exactly. But he kind of had to wait his turn too, though, right? So. Yeah. 
that's the only thing that really stinks about these power programs, Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama. They get these really good players, but a lot of times they don't get to show how good they are until they're two, sometimes three, even four years into their college career unless they transfer somewhere. Yeah, and he's another one. Like, you know, he's listed at 6'2", so is he really 6'2", yeah. or is he really a 6'1"? <laughs> yep. If, if it's true, 6'2", 239, then that's, that's pretty decent. You can work with that. Um, 120 tackles last year. Um, played pretty well against, you know, some of the – Nine against Notre Dame. He had 14 against Wisconsin, nine against Rutgers, eight against Michigan State, 15 against Penn State, 13 against Northwestern, 13 at Maryland, even had eight at Georgia in the national champ or in the in the playoffs that year. So I like him. 120 tackles. That's pretty impressive. That's right around 10, I think, or just a little less than 10. But he made the big jump right from year year two, which he redshirted his freshman year, but from 21 he had 64 to last year he had 120, so that's a big jump. I'm going to have to go kill this time. I'll be right back. <laughs> Just joking. Just joking, but I will be right back. Yeah, I mean, he definitely should be rostered in, a, in any kind of CFF IDP league, for sure. Um, I don't know how he wanted to group them next, but uh, I'll just stay with the linebackers and look at um, Steel Chambers and um, C.J. Hicks. So Steel Chambers was the, you know, he's he's someone that you know came in um, highly highly thought of and didn't really show a whole lot until this past season, where he had uh, 77 tackles, two sacks, uh, two interceptions. He's kind of the the second linebacker um, after Eichenberg. And then C.J. Hicks, who pretty sure was the number one linebacker recruit last season. Um, he didn't play a, a, a whole lot um, in last year as a true freshman. He did play in, it looks like, one, two, three, four, five games, which is really interesting. So he basically burned a red shirt uh, because he played in more than four games, which seems very strange and odd to me that they would play him. Um in that, in that fifth game, uh, he ended up with six tackles uh, last year as a true freshman. Um, he, he's got good height, you know, 6'3", 225. You'd like to see him add a little, add a little extra weight. Um, he's someone you're probably waiting on uh, before, you yeah. know, you, you're able to start him. Um, but, you know, you, you'd expect next year is his kind of his time to shine when Eichenberg and, and Still Chambers are both gone. Um and you know he might be someone that that you might be able, you might try and sniff around maybe even like you know maybe during the season right so he sat pretty much all of last year he's probably going to sit all of this year so maybe mm-hmm. he's someone now the person that bought him or has him probably spent like an uh, early draft pick on him I'm pretty sure like in our in our listener league last year I feel like he was the number one. IDP taken in, in, in the supplemental draft. And I want to say he went like in a second round. Um, but so, but you know, that, 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 that owner might become impatient. Right. And so I'd wait maybe like, you know, the third or fourth game of the year and he hasn't produced any stats, 
you might be able to get him cheap, right? Um, so right. because that guy's frustrated, right? He spent a high draft pick on this guy, and you know, going into going into the second year of him doing absolutely nothing. And you know, again, this is the reason why I personally don't don't spend those kind of draft picks on those guys because you're if I mean it's very rare that a true freshman is going to, you know, start, especially on defense. And so, you know, you're, you're spending that high draft capital and then the guy's sitting on your bench for two years before he does, you know, before it becomes a startable asset, you know, and, and then, and yeah. then you're hoping, and then you're hoping, Hey, I hope he really pops so he can go to the NFL. I don't know. It just, <laughs> that just seems like a bad bet to me. Like considering the price you're having to pay, to secure yeah, and I guess, and and I guess the thing with everything is, owners is they don't want to miss out, right? They don't want to miss out being the one that drafted the one that made. That's it. Yeah. Which if I've got room, I don't mind missing out, especially on defense. I don't. I don't. Yeah. Mind. <laughs> but if I kind of have the room, like if I have three or four solid linebackers, and I have a spot that I really just don't have a need for, I don't mind drafting hook. Uh, you know, a player like Hicks and let him sit there for a year or two, right? Because I probably he's probably going to fill a role in, in the, within the next year or so when those guys move on. So, but yeah, now for my roster, if I have needs, then yeah, I don't, I'm not crazy about it, but I still do it from time to time because I'm guilty. I'm like, man, I know this kid's got the potential to make it. I don't want to let him go, right? Then we've got a group here, I guess, a secondary group, I guess. Uh, Lanson, Ransom, safety, Denzel Burke, the corner, Sonny Styles, safety, Jihad Carter, safety, and Davis Igbenisum, uh, another corner. Um, Styles and Carter are the two that stands out, right? Um, In that group. Well, ch- chop. Oh, I'm sorry. We're on. We're still on um, Ohio State. Styles and Carter. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Styles and Carter. Where Carter's the transfer from Syracuse. Yep. Um, like I said, secondary you can kind of get pretty much easily. Um, and Styles was a. Well, he was a true freshman last year, right? Yes, he'll be a sophomore this year. And to make the, uh, and to, to make and like to even muddy up the waters even more his brother who was a wide receiver at notre dame is transferring to ohio state to play defensive back lorenzo styles ah okay there you go there are you some so, uh, inside nuggets um yeah sonny didn't play very much last year um he played in 12 games uh 280 snaps so Not too bad, but not nothing heavy, right? So you expect him to pick up a little more this year. Um, you want to talk about any of the others before we move on? Um, I mean, cornerback. If you're in a cornerback required league, Denzel Burke, right? I mean, yeah, Ohio State's kind of known for you know their cornerbacks. He was their one, two, three, four, fifth leading tackler um, last year. Thirty-four tackles, uh, five passes defended. Um, 
I mean, I think he's someone I, he's going to get drafted um, again. But you're only interested if, if you're if you're in a cornerback required league. Right. Um. All right, we've got two schools left here. Up next is Penn State. You have Edge Chop Robinson, linebacker Abdul Carter, um, cornerback Kalen King, and linebacker Curtis Jacobs. So, I mean, as far as draft capital for next year, it's it's Chop Robinson and Kalen King, right? I mean, Chop Robinson and very well could be the number two, three edge in this class, right? Behind Jared Verse. Um, yeah. He's going to get drafted in the first round. Uh, I mean, he, he transferred. I'm trying to think where he came from. Was he at? Was he at Florida State? Where was he? At? I don't. I don't uh, remember where he was at before. He Maryland. Came. Okay, Maryland. Before he, I couldn't remember where he was at before he came to Penn State. But yeah, you know, he, he played eight games for the Terps uh, in 2021. Had 19 tackles, two and a half for loss, and two sacks. So last year for Penn State, 25 total tackles, five and a half sacks. I don't know how many TFLs he had. Do you know? Uh, it says ten here. What I'm seeing. So, um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's getting a lot. He's getting he's he's getting first round draft buzz. Um, yeah. If he's not owned in your leagues, he absolutely like absolutely should be. Um, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't draft or go after defensive players traditionally in my supplemental drafts, but I he was a free agent in one of my leagues, and I did. Um, I did go after him. You know, he. Uh, I, I'm a believer in his talent. I think he is a uh, a first round uh, a first round pick. You know, unless he just kind of falls flat on his face this coming year. And then, Kyle, and Kalen King is the other guy that's. You know, he's probably better than than than, than uh, Joey Porter, who just got drafted, right? Um, yeah. And uh, Kalen King, thirty total tackles last year. Uh, 15 passes defended, three interceptions. Um, again, he's probably going to be a first-round talent. Uh, and so if you're in a cornerback required league, he should absolutely be uh, be rostered. And then we kind of right. get to, like, the next – I don't know if you want to talk about either either one of those two guys. No, I agree with you on both of those. I think that King definitely steps in for Porter and, and is the starter right away. And – you know, with Robinson, you definitely – he should be on a roster somewhere. If he's not, then go grab him right now. But he definitely should be rostered. And, and this next guy is like – I mean, it's going to be two years before he's in the NFL. But um, we, we talked about him last year as a true freshman. And mm-hmm. um, Brock, you know, Brock Brock's the one that kind of really brought him up last year. And then Brock went out and uh, pretty much secured him in every single league. But um, – you know, I remember. You know, we did a we did a profile on him last year, and my biggest concern with him was his weight, right? Because at that point, he wasn't um, he wasn't big enough to really be an edge. Um, right. but me and Brock were talking about him recently, and I'm I'm gonna try and look it up on the Penn State roster. But 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 Brock was saying that he um, 
he put on quite a bit of weight, you know, now. And so edge, you know, NFL edge is a possibility. And so, yeah, so he's now listed at 6'3", 250. And so, <laughs> and so last year when we were, when we were talking about him, like he was like 220 something, right? 230. Right. Um, and so that was my big concern with him was like, I just didn't know where he fit in the NFL because he didn't have the size for a true edge. He wasn't big enough. Um, right. But, you know, he has, he has put on the weight to be a true edge of the NFL. And he was a stud last year, the true freshman. There's no, there's no doubt about that. Right. I mean, he had 56 total tackles, six and a half sacks. Um, if, if you believe in numbers, he wears the number 11, which is, you know, a, a, a kind of a famed number uh, for Penn State. You know, the most number, right? The most recent was Micah Parsons. <laughs> um, and I'm not saying Abdul Carter is Micah Parsons, but um, it, it's kind of, yeah, it is, it, it's, 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 a, it's a number that has meaning for Penn State. Um, and so, you know, if you listened to us last year, you know, you should have already picked up Abdul Carter in your leagues and owned him, because um, I seriously doubt he's a he's available in any leagues now, right? I mean, he shouldn't be. <laughs> um, we've got Curtis Jacobs here too, and I think you know Carter was second on the team last year with fifty six tackles. Jacobs was third with fifty two, um, and then you had Kalen King, who we just mentioned down there. He was ninth with thirty, right? Well, yeah. they lost quite a bit off of this team. So I could easily see those three being the leading tacklers again this year. Right, I think King takes a pretty good jump, and then those two are up there. But Jacobs, you know, 52 tackles, seven and a half for loss, four sacks. He had the big interception. He ran back 47 yards for a pick, two pass deflections, two fumble recoveries. So he does a little bit of everything. Um, I think he's probably more closer to the true inside guy than Carter is, I do think with that size, I almost think that Carter eventually ends up as an edge, right? Oh, that, yeah, absolutely. That's where he is. Yeah, next level. He's he's yeah. an edge. I mean, you can if you can play him at edge and him playing linebacker, that's great and all. But I think like, you know, maybe he's like a. He, I hate I hate player counts, but maybe like think of him as a Micah Parsons light. I don't know, right? I mean, I'm, I'm not saying yeah, he's Micah Parsons because that's like impossible. But yeah, that's such a hard comp to make. I mean, I'm just saying, like, see it so, mean, someone that can play a little bit of linebacker and play a little bit of edge is is really right. what I'm more trying to project. Right. Um, anybody else that you think is worth mentioning from? Uh, I mean, someone we talked about last year, but I think he's probably he, he's a guy that's going to have to buy his time, and that's Danny Dennis Sutton. Um, defensive end. I mean, he had a good season for a true freshman. He had 17 total tackles and, and three sacks, right? Um, but, you know, I think he's he's probably a year away before before he's like – he's not – he's not. I think he's a rotational player right now, um, but he's probably a year away from from being, you know, that, that, that number one defensive end for them. Right. He's a highly recruited um, freshman. Last year, yeah, yeah, they've definitely got some young guys coming in. Someone's got to step into the safety role. I don't know who that's going to be, right? I mean, you had um, Jair Brown's gone, and and um, I'm trying to think of the guy that was there before, um, plays for the Bears now. 
gosh. Brisker. So Brisker, yeah, to go on Brisker. Yeah, Brisker was there the year before. He got drafted. Jair Brown was there last year. He got drafted. Um, so someone's going to step into that role. I don't think they – I don't know who that is. I'm not sure Penn State knows who that is yet either. Um, so that's probably something – Yeah, I've kinda, not seen anything where they've kind of said, this is our guy. Usually you'll see yeah, tidbits and like, hints along the way, and I've not seen anything, so – yeah, because I felt like last year, like they they were they were pretty adamant that Brown was kind of the next thing, right? Um, and so wow. I think that's probably something to kind of keep an eye on um, first few games of the season. Awesome, awesome. Um, let's finish this up here with the best football team in IML money can buy, <laughs> soon to be. A championship contender. <laughs> I couldn't even say that was straight face. Rutgers. Let's finish up with Rutgers. Um, you've got uh, two listed here: defensive end Aaron Lewis, not the singer, stained by the way, and Deion Jennings. No release. No relation to Deion Sanders or uh, uh, any means. So I know nothing of either one of these. So I'm going to let you uh, kind of lead the way here on that. So Jennings is someone that we did talk about last year on the show um, as a mm-hmm. potential to kind of lead that team in tackles last year. Um, I think the concern or our concern last year was he's kind of a smaller guy. And so there was concern. Can he be that leading tackler? Well, he was their leading tackler last year, uh, 87 total yep. tackles, uh, one sack. Um, and I expect him to you know, be the leading tackler again this year. He's kind of proven it. Um, I don't think there's any NFL potential there. I just think he's too small. Um, if I remember correctly, I think he's like he started off his career as like a safety. Um, and so he kind of converted from safety to linebacker. So he is on, definitely on that smaller side. And then this other guy, um, Aaron Lewis, again, I don't. I think the reason I put him on this list from a from a defensive end standpoint, he had 54 tackles last year, um, which is really great. You know, right? It's normally defensive ends are kind of like half that number, um, but from a tackle, from a sack perspective, he didn't do much. He only had one and a half sack last season. Um, he's probably a guy like you know you're going to put on your watch list and kind of see, or if you really need defensive end help, right? At least he's getting those tackles, and so that that consistency can help your your college fantasy team. If you know, if, if you're in a league that like, like uh, Hollywood said earlier, where the commissioner is actually scoring the IDP. So they're that, that way they're scoring tackles. And but, again, if you have a commissioner that's actually taking the time and the want to, to do that, please commend them for that. Cause that's a lot of work that they don't have to do. And it just makes the league better. So, and, and you might, you know, and choppy. I would say, um, you know, keep in mind their safety, right? Um, they lost Christian Izine to the he, – he was he's got drafted or a UDFA by the Buccaneers. He was their second leading yep. tackler um, last year at 83. Um, and so I would just kind of keep an eye on maybe the safety position those first couple games and see if there's a safety standing out. Yeah, and I added one West Bailey, a defensive end for him. Uh, his third year, he's got a red shirt mixed in there, so still got some time left, right? Eligibility left, but um, 30 tackles, um, eight for a loss, three and a half 
sacks, and he had two pass deflections and three fumble recoveries. Um, I guess, it, you know, 6'5", 250, so he's tall, long, right? Got a good build, good size. Um, maybe, because now that I don't know if this, there's some best ball leagues out there. I don't know if there's any for college, but if you're into that type of thing, I think he would be a good pick and play if it's a deep, deep roster, right? So, um, and then for regular dynasty or Devi IDP, I mean, he's a junior. So, he redshirted junior. Um, you know, if you're struggling, he might be somebody that I would keep on my watch list. Maybe play the matchups, uh, see what you can get out of him. But Rutgers did not have a whole lot. So, but I do think safety is a spot. If you can pinpoint who's going to be their their starter or starters, then those may be your best two options possibly. Yeah. Um, so that does it for the Big East or Big Ten East. And as many of y'all can probably hear, it's storming pretty bad out my window. I apologize if it's noisy. But um, – We thank each and every one of you. Um, please go to YouTube, rate, review, and subscribe. And we are at 24 subscribers on YouTube now. So we want to thank you guys for that. Um, you're helping us grow. Go over there, rate, review, subscribe. Do the same to wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, iHeartRadio, uh, Podbean, anywhere. Follow us on Twitter at Grind. Uh, you can follow me at, at Hollywood Titan. You can find Justice at Justice underscore 2318. Um, he does a lot of good work. He help, As you can see there, if you're watching, he's part of Campus to Canton, too. He does some stuff for them. I'm trying to sway him to do some more stuff for us on the Patreon, the IDP Nation Patreon, because that's usually where I put a lot of my Debbie stuff, uh, especially my rankings. If you haven't heard or seen, those are well over 250 now, and I'll be adding some more names. Uh, after we did these previews, I did the same thing last year. So it, even the best of us, we can miss some of it, right? So I always take these these kind of lists and, and incorporate them into my rankings where I need to. So go check them out. I've got some articles over there. There's some stuff on high school in there, uh, recruiting. So go check that out. Um, weather permitting here, I think we'll be okay. But um, we're going to turn around and do the Big Ten West right here as soon as we're done. Um, so please rate, review, and subscribe, and we'll see you in just a few moments.